Have you been feeling stuck, exhausted, and finding yourself living as a passenger in your own life? By giving away so much of your energy and power to everyone and everything around you. But you? Well, you are not alone. My name is Dr. Valérie Johnston Dugamin, osteopath, and I have been there too. After being burned out, exhausted, I decided to take control of my life and get back into my driver's seat. It wasn't easy though, but I did it. And you can do it too. In this podcast, I will share stories, invite guest speakers, and provide insight and tips on how to turn your life around and move back into your driver's seat. Okay, so today I'm talking about how to get resilience in the face of adversity. It's an interesting topic because when I was talking about getting into the driver's seat, when I say that, it's just so vast. It's not just one thing. It's about everything in your life. It's about how you interact with others. It's about the decision that you're making for your life, taking actions. And many years back, I came to Australia to learn English. And I really wanted to learn English because I wasn't able to talk and to speak English the way that I wanted to. The writing was good, but being able to speak, it didn't happen for me. So I remember when I was young, I had a dream. My dream was to be a flight attendant. And when I was going to the airport with my mom, sometimes I was seeing this woman. They were so elegant from Air France. And I'm like, wow, they look so beautiful and confident. I want to be a flight attendant. So over the years, I tried different professions. And at some stage, I I had an opportunity to do my uh, flight attendant training and I did it. It was just challenging because often people think that being a flight attendant is serving on the plane, but actually being a flight attendant, it's so much more, you know, regards to the security and the safety and the training that we go through to ensure that the passengers are constantly secure in case of emergency or if something happens. Straight away, we know, we have learned, we have been trained what to do. After I did the training, the theory behind what it means to be a flight attendant and also the practical one in case of emergency, there is a fire, for example, on the plane, what to do, how to evacuate in case of a crash. So that was really interesting. I really love that part of the training. And then, well... Part of the training as well, it was to do some international flying and domestic flying. So I go, I do the flight, and I hated it. And I couldn't believe that flying, for me, being the actually working as a flight attendant and doing the work, I would not like it. So I really enjoy the, all the safety part and the security part. But here I am training and doing the final part of the course, and I just didn't enjoy the fly first because I didn't find that I could handle the jet lag. I was struggling with the jet lag. And also, I didn't enjoy the work on itself, the flying, 
the jet lag, that was very challenging for me. I know it was part of the training, but I didn't like that. And I didn't like neither the way that some of the passengers, they were treating the flight attendant like they were just waitress on the plane, which I realized by doing the first part of the training, it's much more than that. And um, I was telling myself, wow, I respect flight attendant and steward. I respect people in that profession because they are pulling up with so, so much. So, so much people who are so rude. People don't have any way of respecting the work that they're providing. Anyway, I was turned off and I'm like, okay, well, I finished the training, even though I didn't like the flying part. And here I was going to Air France even though I didn't want to do the profession, but I think it was my ego. I'm like, I went for that training and I still want to apply. And then I see if I get it, I will be proud. And if I don't, I will still be proud. <laughs> so I go and I apply and I got into the, the interview Air France. So my candidature and they accepted. So I had to do the first stage of the training. And the first thing was English. And I remember I was trying to learn English. I was practicing. I was doing courses. I was doing so much. And somehow I could understand the writing, but I couldn't speak correctly. And I couldn't really understand sometimes when people were talking too fast with different accents. And I was practicing, practicing, practicing. And the ego said, yeah, Valérie, you can do that. You can go and do and pass that Air France interview. And you will be you will be a flight attendant and choose if you want to do it or not. So there you go. Air France contacted me and uh, I had to do the first interview. And I go, the first test ever was English. Oh my God. I get there and I felt so scared. I felt like, oh my God, the first test ever is English. I've been practicing my English. I know I can do that. And then I go there. You have to translate someone that was talking over an audio and I could not understand a thing. I could understand a couple of words, but it wasn't enough to understand a full sentence. And this person was talking very fast, to me anyway. And of course, I felt, I felt the first interview, English, Bang, I fell. And I left, I was devastated. I was crying. I remember I was crying and crying and crying. And I go home and I tell my mom, and I was living with my mother and my brother, my youngest brother at the time. And they were very supportive. And my mom said, oh, Valérie, damn it, you know, I would not be able to fly. <laughs> <laughs> but she was joking, of course. It was a way maybe for her to make me feel better and I couldn't stop crying. And she said, don't worry, at least you try, you know, you went through it. It was still very painful. But from that moment, I was telling myself, you know, my mission now is going to learn English. I am going to do anything for me to improve my English and it's not because I wanted to be a flight attendant and I want to do the test again because I knew deep down that this profession wasn't for me. However, I'm like, no, I'm not going to let that experience make me feel bad about myself, make me feel insecure. And that's how my journey coming to Australia started. And I came to Australia for six months to learn English. And then um, 
as I came to Sydney, I remember it was such an experience because as soon as I got to the airport, I felt so welcome. I felt really good. And then I was living in the eastern suburb with a family. And uh, at the same time, I was learning English. So I wanted to immerse myself into that culture. So I'm like, okay, the best way to do it is to go into an Australian family. And at the same time, I was able to, to go into the school. And it was um, a school in Bondi Junction in Sydney. So that was amazing. And in this school, there were so many different nationalities. And somehow, every nationality, they were all sticking together. And I'm like, why? Why everyone stick together? So I couldn't understand why they were doing that. But I guess it makes sense because you're a foreigner, you're all coming from the same country in a foreign country. <laughs> so uh, I guess it's better if you can, the Japanese were all with the Japanese, Korean, all with the Korean, the French were all together, Brazilian, and so on and so on. And I remember I said to some of uh, the French that I was interacting with, and I said to them, I do not want to be around French people, and I do not want to speak French. And the, the French, how funny is that? French, we've been known as being so arrogant sometimes. A lot of people say, oh, the French, they're so arrogant. And then some of the French, my friend, they were telling me, Valérie, you're so arrogant to say something like that. Why don't you want to, uh, to be uh, with us? And I'm like, because I came here to learn English. I didn't come to Australia to speak French. Anyway, it was challenging because people were questioning and people were quite pushy because they couldn't make sense of what I was saying. But I stick to what I believe was right for me. And I went around and interacted with Australian people. I met people that were so extraordinary. I met uh, this woman called Kim, I can't remember her surname, and she was Australian champion of karate at that time. And I'm like, wow, look at myself walking around alone. And then I sit at this bar in Cloverley, and there's a group of women they saw me alone and they came to me and they said, don't be alone. And they come and they introduced me to one another. And that was fantastic. And then from then I was going and doing karate at the park with this woman called Kim. And she was so amazing. And she introduced me to her friend and had such a great time. So that was such a great experience for me being in Australia. And I could see that the reason that I didn't want to interact with the other French people is because I was so devastated when I didn't pass the English test for becoming a flight attendant. And I had a, I had a goal in my mind and I'm like, I am not going to let anything stop me to improve my English and learn and be fluent in English. So after the six months, it was so interesting. I met my husband and then I went back to France. So my English was so-so, I think I would say intermediate, but I was very proud of me. I'm like, for someone who couldn't speak English at, at all and being immersed into the, that culture, being surrounded only with English people and having the strength to say to other people from the same language as me, to say to them, no, I don't want to be around you 
because I want to improve my English. And I remember I worked so hard to save up to come over and I didn't want to to worst that effort that I made. So this is how I started with getting resilience. I came back to live in Australia and that was such an amazing journey, but at the same time, very challenging, very, very challenging, very hard. And I remember when I came back with my husband and uh, I got home where I was living at the time and I said to myself, I was talking, talking to myself, and I'm like, I have to be true to myself and to him. And I said to him, I am not here to stay at home, to be a homestay a person, a housewife, although I respect so much women that stay at home and because it's a full-time job. I have so much respect for this woman. But for me, I said to him straight up front, I'm not here basically to be your housewife. I'm here to immerse myself in the culture, and also I want to integrate the Australian culture and I really want to be as any other Australian. And at the time, I was saying that, and he looked at me with a very surprised look, but he really helped me a lot to achieve that. And then he said, what do you want to do? And I said, yeah, I want to start working as soon as possible and I will go and get a job. But what I did not realize is sometimes you say things (laughs) and then you say them, And then you really believe in them and you don't know where this is going to take you. So from the beginning of what I say to him, it's been such challenging, amazing, and it really pushed my burden and my boundary and make me discover myself in a way that I will probably never, ever discover myself if I didn't go through that challenging time. So... I got a job a month and a half after, I remember, where we were living. I went over all the shops, all the medical center, whatever, and uh, and an optometrist was looking for someone. And he said, my receptionist is going away for three weeks. Yes, yes, uh, I'm happy to take you on board. And I remember my French accent was so, so strong. And when he was talking to me, I said, I was saying to him, excuse me, I do not understand what you are saying, and he just, he was just laughing. And actually, that was such a great experience because even his clients, they were quite friendly and people were very understanding. And I think a lot of Australians, they love the French accent and they find it really sexy and romantic. So that was an advantage. And I didn't realize that at the time. So I was me doing my thing and people were asking me to repeat one or three times, uh, especially some of the men, they were said, I was saying, uh, good afternoon, uh, whatever the name of the practice is, Valerie speaking. And then some of the men, they were asking me, excuse me, I didn't understand. Can you repeat again? And then just because I wanted to hear the voice and later on, some of them told me that and it was so funny. So that was, that was an experience. But what I found very, very challenging was the different culture because me, Coming from France and also having the background as a French Caribbean, because uh, I come from an island called Guadeloupe, and we have our own culture in Guadeloupe, in this island, Guadeloupe and Martinique. And then you add the French culture on the top of it. And then I come here to a different country and I have the Australian culture that I have to understand and to integrate into my life. 
And my husband is Australian. He's very Australian. So that was very challenging. The control barrier to overcome that. Well, I had to go for a swim. <laughs> I had to find a way, something that can help me to just deal with understanding what it is the culture. And I remember we had a lot of, uh, not at the beginning, but later on, when we could see that he was talking about something and I was I was responding but in a French or in a in a West Indies way, we couldn't understand each other. That was really, really hard because we were both getting frustrated because I'm like, he doesn't understand me and I don't understand him. We don't understand each other. That was so, so difficult at the time. It was really, really difficult, but I didn't want to give up. He didn't want to give up. And we were very stressed. <laughs> we were very stressed. And it wasn't just me being stressed and integrating myself into that culture, but him too. Uh, he was very supportive toward me because, because of what I said at the beginning. I want to immerse myself in the culture. I want to work. I wanted to study. And, uh, and then he was very proactively trying all he could to help me achieve that. And I am very grateful for that. So um, the resilience come where I couldn't allow myself not to keep on going. So I had to find ways, for example, to tell myself, okay, Valérie, you're here for a reason. You're here because you find this wonderful man. He loves you unconditionally. You love him unconditionally. But you are fighting a lot and <laughs> things are difficult. But the commitment of saying when you got married that you are in here for the best and for the worst, that commitment for me meant so much. And I was referring myself back to it each time to say, okay, the commitment is for the best and for the worst. And when the worst was there, it was really there. But I kept on, you know, remembering what we said. And that helped me a lot. So what I say by that is when you set yourself a goal or whatever it is and you come across a lot of challenges, I think it's important to remind yourself why you decide to do that at the beginning. And I'm, I'm getting a bit emotional, but that is normal. Just it's hard. It's hard. It's a journey and it's something different and new. But you set yourself that goal and that mission to achieve it. So keep on really believing that you will get there. You will get there eventually. You may go around, you may come across obstacles, and sometimes you will say, oh my God, stop that all. I don't want to continue that anymore. Remember why you're doing that, why you choose that path. And I find personally for me, by reminding myself why I choose to do that, the two things that came back was the commitment of being there for the best and for the worst, the commitment of choosing to live in that country with someone that I love. These two things were constantly a reminder for me when I was feeling that it was overwhelming and it was too much. And so then I continue my journey being here, being in, being in Australia, and extraordinary things happen and stressful things happen, but I never 
give up on my husband. I never give up on my dream of being immersed in living as any other Australian in that country and feeling part of the country, regardless of the obstacle and regardless of how challenging it was. And again, that was being in the driver's seat of my choice and being at the driver's seat of what I have set in motion for me to achieve these goals. And to anyone who feel like they are overwhelmed or it's too much or they choose to do something and whatever they choose to do, it is challenging. Life is challenging and life will test you and will test what you say. You said you want that. You said you want to achieve that. I'm going to give you some tests and see how much you want it, how badly you want it. And this is when you don't give up. This is when you stick to it. And I can say today, I am very, very grateful for absolutely everything that my husband, Australia, has provided to me. And I'm very grateful to that country. And today I feel immersed in the country, in the culture. I feel that I am Australian as much as any Australian. So don't give up, keep on going, but also find something that can help you to maintain that goal, that can help you to maintain that drive. So then even when you get overwhelmed or you get tired or you get like, oh my God, stuff that, I'm losing it, I'm just going to drop everything, <sighs> sit back and think and reflect on the reason why you're doing what you're doing. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned and subscribe to the Driver's Seat Club. Until next time, have a powerful day.